Talk with your host, James Gibbons. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of Real Addiction Talk with your host, James Gibbons. Uh, here's an interesting fact for you I actually created that intro myself. Um, but it took days of editing because I have absolutely no experience with creating music. Uh, but, you know, I was pretty proud of myself for creating it. Uh, and, uh, you know, I felt the need to share that with you. So I can put that under my resume, I guess, that I'm a uh, music creator in some way, shape, or form. Um. <laughs> Anyways, but hey, welcome to the episode launch of Real Addiction Talk, and thank you for joining us on this special day as we begin our journey, creating content and positive change for those who are struggling with an active addiction or currently in recovery. And like I previously mentioned, my name is James Gibbons, and I am the host of Real Addiction Talk. Uh, a little bit about myself, I have been in recovery from alcohol addiction since October 10th of 2010, and since that time, I have spent a great deal of energy. Uh, researching and educating myself in the field of addiction and mental health. Um, I won't be diving into my addiction on this episode because there's a lot of important content to cover, but I will say that uh, I am grateful for my addiction because it has led to it has led me to where I am today. Uh, I am currently an addiction therapist and have been for about five years now. I recently graduated from the University of South Dakota in 2021 with my master's degree in addiction counseling with co-occurring disorder specialization. Uh, I created this podcast because I wanted to reach out to others on a more extensive level in hopes of creating positive change around the globe. I also created this podcast because in my own opinion, uh, there are needs in this country. And there needs to be a serious revamp in the way how we treat, acknowledge, and help those who are struggling with an active addiction in our communities, our judicial systems, and healthcare providers. Uh, on this podcast, we plan on having many experts in the field joining us for interviews as we move forward with our podcast to help explain, in their own words, ways in how we can improve the field of addiction and having them provide knowledgeable, content for you, the listener. I do want to add that we have several footprints in the online community. Uh, 
First off, make sure you follow us on Facebook at Real Addiction Talk. Also, we have our new our new website up and running at www.realaddictiontalk.com. Feel free to visit our webpage and subscribe to our newsletter. Uh, we're also on uh, all types of, of social media outlets. Uh, we're on WhatsApp. We're on Instagram, Twitter. Um, but if you do view our website, uh, we do provide our podcasts on there, and we provide a lot of research content and blogs for your viewing. We also have a, uh, a quick survey that you can find on our Facebook page and or on our website that will allow you to add in your input on things that you would like to see discussed in our podcast and, of course, some information that you are interested in for further discussion. You know, th this isn't my podcast. This is this is you, the listener's podcast, and I want you to contribute to our podcast as much as you possibly can. So your opinion uh, matters greatly. Uh, this podcast is made for you, so you feel free to utilize your voice or content that you would like to be informed about. Uh, I do want to add that we, we also have a, a special uh, section on our website uh, for you to visit. And um, if you want to be a guest on our show, if you're currently dealing with a uh, an active addiction or if you're currently in recovery, uh, or maybe you're an expert in the field, feel free to get on our website, fill out the form, and we will be in contact with you because we're looking for guests on our show. And the reason why I think that's so important, uh, simply put, is because, you know, a lot of us don't have sober support in our lives. And by reaching out on this podcast, I'm hoping that, you know, when you share your story, you know, what you're currently struggling with, um, you know, maybe someone in the in the audience will reach out and help or provide some of their own uh, knowledge and understanding of, of what they've been through. So uh, feel free to sign up at any time. Uh, for today's educational topic. I wanted to discuss the sequence of use. So I happened to create an interactive PowerPoint that helps explain this on, on our YouTube channel at Real Addiction Talk. So feel free to check out our channel and subscribe as we will be providing a, a video version of our podcast. Uh, the, the sequence of use is relatively simple but important to understand. The first thing that occurs in this sequence is what we call a trigger. Uh, and simply put, a trigger is something that causes an intense reaction in someone. And there are two different types of triggers. One, internal. Two, external. Internal triggers are usually negative emotional reactions such as depression, anxiety, loneliness, boredom, grief, tiredness. Uh, and there's also internal triggers that are on the opposite side of that. Excitement, celebratory, happiness. And what typically occurs is some type of event uh, happens and it creates either a negative or a positive emotional state and it triggers us to use or reminds us about how a substance made us feel in the past. Uh, one of the most important things that we need to identify while we're early in recovery is what our triggers are. We need to identify what our triggers are. And uh, according, to according to studies and research, 
anger, depression, and loneliness are usually the top three triggers that we all that we will experience and what will usually lead us to using. The second type of trigger, external triggers, are people, places, and things that we associate use with. So it's the it's the people that we used to use with that can trigger us to use. So running into them in public, having them uh, text message us, reaching out on, on social media, uh, the places that we used to use at will also trigger us. And of course, the things that would uh, make us become intoxicated. So the, the pipes or the koozies, things that remind us of using, are all external triggers. And if I were to ask you, which internal trigger and which external trigger provides the most weight for you? You know, what what is the number one internal or number one external trigger that you need to be aware of so that you can prevent a craving from occurring? Go ahead and, free, and uh, share your answer with us on our Facebook page or on our website. I'd be curious to know. And after we experience a trigger, this quickly leads to uh, what's called the thought. And that's pretty self-explanatory. It's, it's simply... Uh, the, the thought to use. Uh, the timetable between the trigger and the thought is quicker than snapping your fingers together. And after we experience the thought to use, we experience the third part of our sequence, which is called cravings. And a craving is a strong urge or desire to use a substance. Now, we may experience uh, some of the following uh, symptoms of cravings. We may experience uh, the taste of the substance in our mouth, whether it be methamphetamine, cannabis, um, or even sometimes alcohol. We may experience severe tremors, uh, preoccupation, or, or obsessive thoughts of using the substance, headaches, racing heartbeat. The mental yearning to use drugs or alcohol becomes very intense at this stage. Uh, and of course, after we experience the craving, we enter the fourth part of the sequence, which is simply put, using a, using the substance. And here's the million dollar question for you. And go ahead and provide your answers in our on our website or on our Facebook page if if you know the answer. But uh, at what point in this sequence do you think that we actually have control? I'll give you just a little bit of time to think about that, and I'll repeat the question. At what point of this sequence between trigger, thought, craving, and use, do we, the individual, at what point of that sequence do we actually have control? Well, if you guessed between the thought and the craving, you would be correct. Uh, we can't control our triggers, meaning we can't control when we see a beer commercial on TV or running into an old using friend in public or any other event that would trigger us. 
This is important because anything could trigger us to use without our knowing or understanding why. We can't control the second part of the sequence, which is thoughts. And since the time between a, a trigger and the thought is concurrent, we don't have time to react to the trigger as it becomes a thought to use. So that is where we begin to have control, is after the, tr after the thought to use. And the idea is to pre prevent a craving from developing and or intensifying. But here's a fun but necessary study for you to take with you today. It takes, statistically, based on studies, an average of seven and a half minutes from developing a craving into using. So once we begin experiencing the craving to use, we have, on average, about seven and a half minutes to do something before it leads to actual use of the substance. So what that means is, if we continue dwelling on the thought of using for that amount of time without taking any sort of action whatsoever, we will go back to using. And that's why making the decision to dwell on the thought of using and taking no proper action steps to prevent use is actually making the decision to remain an addict because there are several action steps that we can take uh, when a craving does begin to develop. And there's actually a word for this. Uh, we, we call these action steps thought-stopping techniques. And there are typically three categories that we will discuss. The first technique is called visualization. So we experience the trigger and we have the thought to use, we begin to use visualization techniques to prevent a craving. And this is broken down into two different ways on how to utilize. First, we visualize what has happened in the past due to our use. Or second, we visualize what will happen in the future if we so choose to use. Uh, this is a very common but very effective technique to use. You know, what has happened in the past due to your use? And do you really want to repeat that from happening again? Or what will happen as a result of your use? You know, are, is your family, your friends, are they on the brink of giving up on you? Are you on your last warning at work? Are you in some kind of a legal bind where uh, maybe you're on probation and, you know, if you use, you might violate the the probation and go back to jail. You know, take some time and really think about what will happen as a result of your use. And I guarantee you, if you if you implement this technique, the odds of you using decrease significantly. Uh, the second thought stopping technique is relaxation techniques. So again, we experience the trigger, we have the thought to use, and we begin to utilize some sort of relaxation, relaxation technique. Now, this becomes some kind of a trial and error process while we're early in recovery uh, to figure out what works and what doesn't. But luckily, there are hundreds of relaxation techniques that we can utilize, and I'm going to go ahead and name a few. Uh, reading a book. Uh, for some people, this can be a very soothing relaxation technique. And not only is it relaxing, but what you'll find is if you pick up a self-help book and you begin to read it, 
not only do you forget what you were even triggered about because you're so focused on the book, but you actually begin to start living like the author. And that's why I highly recommend that, you know, we begin to read self-help books early in recovery because we need to figure out uh, who we are. What do we want to do? What's going to motivate us to get up in the morning? And I have a lot of uh, a great self-help books that I'm going to recommend uh, moving forward. But the number one book that I highly recommend, and I tell all of my clients this as well, is Unleashing the Giant Within by Tony Robbins. This book, and I've read it probably over 10 times. But when I picked up this book early in my recovery, and I began to read it, I began to see a shift in my lifestyle. And that book greatly helped me in my recovery. And so Tony Robbins, if you're out there, and if you're listening to this podcast, which if you are, great. Love to have you as a guest sometime. But thank you for writing that book because it it helped me start my journey of sobriety. Another relaxation technique, taking a hot bath or shower, going for a walk, gardening, cooking, exercising. And a little, a little tidbit about exercising is that a lot of us don't want to start exercising. You know, we, we kind of fear that first day of exercising, you know, going to the gym, uh, starting to lift weights, getting on that treadmill. It just sounds like a horrible time. And a lot of us think that on our first day of exercising, we have to go all out. And realistically, that's really not the case. Uh, there was a study done that showed that uh, a simple 15-minute walk releases the same endorphins as exercising hardcore for an hour. So if you're going to take up exercising, you don't have to go all out on the first day. You know, go for a 15-minute walk. Extend that to a 25-minute walk the next week. Maybe begin jogging a little bit the week after that. But take it slow. Recovery is a very long process. And we as addicts and alcoholics are very impatient because we, we want gratification now. And it can be very hard to be patient for results. But another relaxation technique is listening to music, cleaning, watching a movie, going for a drive, getting some ice cream. And there's so many more. Um, but the idea is that you find something that you enjoy doing and do it. Again, the goal is to prevent the craving from developing and or intensifying. Um, so go out and, and try new things. You know, when was the last time you did something for the first time? When was the last time you read a really good book or learned a new language, picked up a musical instrument and taught yourself how to play it? When was the last time you seen all the episodes of Golden Girls? Thank you for being a friend. You know, explore yourself. Recovery doesn't have to be full of uh, depression, anxiety, and dealing with withdrawal and, and fear of change. You know, recovery can actually be a very exciting time in your life.
because now you're going to be creating new goals, a new life, new outlook. Uh, the third category is calling somebody and preferably uh, someone who is sober. You know, don't go over to your drug dealer's house, knock on the door and ask how the kids are doing. You know, you're just going to set up, you're going to set yourself up for a failure. But calling somebody who is sober in that, in the idea is that we call somebody and ask them questions about how their day is going and focusing the conversation on them. And what you'll find by doing this technique, by asking them the questions and asking them how they're doing, what you'll find is that about four or five minutes into the conversation, you're going to forget you were even triggered in the first place. There you have it. So we have two paths we can take once we experience the trigger and the thought to use. We can either A, continue dwelling on the thought to use, which will eventually lead to the actual use of the substance, or B, we can utilize the thought stopping techniques that we just reviewed together and continue our sobriety. And luckily, the decision is, is on you. You get to choose which path to take but at least you have an option to help prevent use. Um, and that's that's going to conclude our educational topic for today. And it will also conclude our first episode of Real Addiction Talk. Uh, I do, I do want to thank you for joining us on this special day, and I hope you join us for future episodes. I do want to remind you to don't forget to like and follow us on our social media platforms. Like I said, we're on we're on Facebook at Real Addiction Talk. We're on Twitter at Addiction underscore Talk. We're on Instagram at Real Addiction Talk. Telegram at Real Addiction Talk. And the WhatsApp uh, WhatsApp app. It's kind of hard to say. WhatsApp app. <laughs> uh, you can listen to our podcast on sev- several different podcasting platforms. Uh, I also hope that you check out our website at realaddictiontalk.com and subscribe to our mailing list so that you can receive up-to-date content, research, and information about our podcast. Oh, we also provide addiction recovery coaching sessions, and you can book a session on our website. They're at a very, very low price. Uh, $30 for a half an hour. If you go anywhere else, or if you look online, you're looking at anywhere between $100 and $150. Um, so take advantage of that price. And you'll be having those sessions with me um, on an individual basis. Uh, you can also visit us on linktree.com at Real Addiction Talk to locate all of our platforms that we currently are on within the online community. And we also have a donate page on our website if you would like to donate to our podcast. And by donating, you provide funds to keep our website up and running. You provide funds so that we can continue to deliver our podcast on podcasting platforms, keeping our equipment running, and allowing us to enjoy perhaps a cup of joe or a meal while we prepare for our next episode. And like I said, we are actively looking for guests on our show. So if you are currently struggling with an addiction, or if you're currently in recovery, or perhaps you have a loved one that you are not too sure on how to help, we welcome you to go on our website, click on the Be a Guest tab, and fill out the form. 
please keep in contact with us, whether it be on our social media platforms or on our website. And if you recently celebrated a milestone in your recovery, share it with us. And who knows, you may be mentioned on an, you might be mentioned on an upcoming episode or even on our website. Uh, we recently just got our membership up and running and we've decided to call our membership the Rat Pack. You know, if you broke it down, Real Addiction Talk, R-A-T, and the Rat Pack. And for $5 a month, what you'll get is, uh, as a member is you'll have access to our members-only website, which is uh, password-protected. And within that members-only site, you'll get uh, additional content, research, deals, and uh, you'll, you'll create a profile, talk about your story. You'll also receive a, a PDF copy of uh, our research notes, the outline of the podcast, and transcription. And one lucky winner per month will receive the actual research notes, the actual outline, and the actual transcription signed by the host, mailed directly to your residents. Uh, you'll also receive a shout-out on one of our podcasts and be featured on our website. So I want to go ahead and end this episode with a quote from St. Francis of Assisi. And the, the, the cool thing about this quote is that when I was early in recovery, when I was feeling extremely depressed, extremely um, lost in life, didn't know where to go, didn't know what to do. My mom actually sent me this quote, and I've kept it near me ever since. And St. Francis of Assisi said, and I quote, Start by doing what is necessary. Then do what is possible. And suddenly, you are doing the impossible. What a powerful quote. And what a very true quote that is. Because we have to start by doing what is necessary, which is getting sober, going through the withdrawal process. And then all of a sudden, once we start getting sober, we start doing things that seem possible. And then after a long period of sobriety, you begin to do the impossible. And trust me on that, because because I I know from experience. So again, thank you for joining us, and I hope to see you again on Real Addiction Talk. This is how it ends. Hey everybody, it's James Gibbons, your host from Real Addiction Talk. Don't forget to join our website at www.realaddictiontalk.com.